So what is up, Wellspring Church? Is anybody excited to be here this morning? All right, all right. You guys are a lot more awake than the 9 o'clock. I felt like I was talking to myself this morning. So I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you guys have some energy. Woke up yesterday with a sore throat, kind of feeling great, all right? So I'm going to ask you guys to repeat some stuff as we go through, and it would really help me out for my voice if I don't have to yell like Pastor Jason usually does, if you guys could kind of yell for me. Um, So as we get into this, so this is a clip from Home Alone. Anybody seen Home Alone? Anybody seen the movie? All right, all right. A lot more energy. I like it. So um, if you've seen it, then you know, and this isn't really a spoiler because it's the name of the movie, um, they leave one of their kids home alone. So in the craziness and the chaos of trying to get out the door, they woke up late, they end up forgetting one of their kids, which obviously is a pretty important thing. Like no matter how many kids you have, they're all still pretty important. Um, So have you ever forgotten anything that was actually kind of important? A story from my personal life that I'm mildly embarrassed to share, but I'll share anyway. I was, uh, I was like 20-something years old, just gotten out of college. I got my first job. I was really excited. Um, and so I'm like, all right, I want to make a good first impression. This is like a month in or something like that. And, of course, like they did, I slept in a little bit because I'm not a morning person. And I'm in a rush to get out the door. I don't want to be late. I don't want to be late. I don't be late. So I run out the front door, and I went to unlock my car, but I forgot my keys in my apartment on my table. And the problem was, you know, like those apartments, buildings, where when you run out the front door, then the door locks behind you. (laughs) You know one of those? So that happened. That's a thing. I forgot something that was very important, and that made my day really bad. That really messed me up for really the rest of the day because I had to find a way to get into the apartment, get myself to work. It was like this whole thing. So have you, in the chaos and commotion of the holiday season of Thanksgiving into Christmas and all these things, have you ever forgotten anything really important? Like maybe if we're being really honest with each other here, have you ever forgotten about Jesus at Christmas? Like got so mixed up and, well, well, we forgot, we forgot to get your niece's cousin's ex-wife's kid a gift. Oh no, like that just ruined my whole day. Like, but then you actually forget something that's really important, which is Jesus. And so that's essentially what we're going to be talking about this morning is, is just the importance of Jesus in this season and, and the reasons why it's so important. It's not, it's not enough to just say, oh, Jesus is important. All right, we can pack up and go home now. Like, there's more to it than that. There's reasons why. And, and so we're going to get into that this morning. And so before we do, I would like to start by praying. So if you guys could, could just join me in prayer. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much for this day. Lord, I thank you for, um, thank you for this church. Thank you for these people. Um, thank you for every single person who's, who's tuning in electronically f- through Facebook Live right now, or we'll watch it later. Lord, I thank you for all these people that, that are engaging in your word, Lord, that are engaging with who you are, that, that want to know more about who you are, that want to be closer to who you are. Um, God, want to be like you. Lord, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to be a part of this movement and, and here with these amazing people. Um, Lord, I pray that you would use me this morning to, to preach a message that would change lives, that wouldn't just, wouldn't just be a feel-good message, but, God, that we would leave here changed, myself included, Lord, that we would all leave here more in love with you, more, more ready and able to love others, and, and more able to focus on who you are, even in the midst of the craziness that is the Christmas season. Um, Lord, again, I just thank you for who you are. Thank you for all you've given us. Um, Lord, we're so grateful. We're so grateful. So I thank you for these things, and I pray these things in your name. Amen. Man, I love this energy. It makes me feel awake. 
literally, like, 9 o'clock, I almost felt like I was preaching to myself. I hope nobody's re-watching this, because I hope nobody's here from 9 o'clock. Because it was rough. Like, I'm going to be honest, it was a little rough. And I'm not a morning, like I said, I'm not a morning person either. So me being up, like, I had to get here early, and then no one's, you know, it's a whole thing. So we're going to be looking at Psalm 78. Verses 1 through 8. And if you've ever, if you've been around and you've seen um, our Well Kids uh, volunteers, clap it up for our Well Kids. Anybody in the room? Yeah. Um, our Well Kids volunteers, they have these cool tie-dye shirts. And on the front of it, it says that the next generation might know. And so that verse is Psalm 78, verse 6, which is kind of sandwiched in between all the verses that we're talking about. And the first time I saw that shirt, my thought, because I'm this kind of person, like I thought, well, that they might know what? Like what is, what's the big deal? Like what are we supposed to be teaching the next generation? And of course, by looking at all of these verses, that's what we're going to be looking at. Um, so this, this whole chunk, this, all of Psalm 78 is written by um, a guy that I don't 100% know how to pronounce his name. It's A-S-A-P-H. Um, so I'm guessing it's either like Asaph or As, uh, like Asaph. I was saying Asaph first for service. I think that sounds cooler. Um, so Asaph is kind of where I landed. Um, so it's written by a guy named Asaph, and he was uh, very important because he was put in charge of kind of the musical stuff in the temple by King David. So the way I see it, he was kind of like a worship leader, and I think worship leaders are cool, so I think Asaph was kind of a cool guy. That's just me. I don't know. So, But we know something that Asaph didn't know. We know the person of Jesus, amen? And he did not because he walked the earth long before Jesus did. So he would have been familiar with all of the prophecies of a Messiah or a Savior that was supposed to be on his way, but we know that Savior, and we have that Savior here with us today. So as we read this, we're going to be looking at it through the lens of the, what we know that he didn't, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. So ultimately, this morning and this season and in our lives, our focus is Jesus. And specifically to this season, it's important to remember that Jesus is the reason for the season. If Jesus was never born, there would be no Christmas, there would be no tree, there would be no lights, there would be no presents. Um, all of that stuff is so much fun. We just put our tree up this past week. I am of the camp that you do not decorate for Christmas until after Thanksgiving. My wife hate me, hates me for it, but that's where I'm at. So this past week, Thanksgiving passed, we decorated for Christmas, we had a lot of fun, we baked some cookies, all that stuff. I love it. But if we forget the actual reason for the holiday, then we're kind of mixing things up. So we're going to be looking, like I said, at Psalm 78, verses 1 through 8. Um, so it'll be here on the screen. You can look at it in the app. You can look at it um, in, in the Wellspring app or the, um, the Bible app itself, or um, if you have a, a hard copy Bible with you. So if you guys want to um, just follow along as we read. So this is Psalm 78, verses 1 through 8. It says, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children. And here that, that verse is that I mentioned earlier, that the next generation might know them. 
the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. So he starts off by saying here in in our first verse, he says, give ear. And then he also says in that same sentence, incline your ears. So this repetition, he's being redundant seemingly on purpose to help you understand this is really important. What I'm about to say is not something that you should just glaze over. It's, It's like me saying, listen. And in the same sentence, me saying, listen, it's redundant, but it's, it's trying to get your attention. Because if there's, if there's 100 Psalms in front of you, and, and you get to this one, and he's like, okay, they're all important, but really pay attention to this one. Really open up your ears to catch what I'm about to say. Because then he says, I'm going to open my mouth with parables. Parables are stories used to illustrate a, a deeper message. He says dark sayings of old, so things like riddles and parables and things like that. So if, if you don't pay close attention, then you might hear like a cute story, but you're not going to get the deeper message. Anybody find that to be true? If you don't pay close enough attention, you don't really get it? Absolutely. Anybody get that? Thank you, Lori. <laughs> Lori's with me. Lori's pumped. I love it. So we're going to take a look at what we're supposed to be telling to the next generation. And the first thing, so Jesus is the reason for the season. And we're going to be looking at um, what Asaph writes as the glorious deeds of the Lord. So can you guys say glorious deeds? deeds. I like it. I like it. The glorious deeds of the Lord. So in verse four, he says the glorious deeds, his might, his wonders. Verse five, he talks about his testimony. Verse seven, he's talking about the works of God. And so for us as 21st century individuals, again, we know the person of Jesus, but Asaph didn't. So when he's writing this, he's not writing about remembering Jesus because he didn't know Jesus. What he's writing about is to a group of people who were the Israelite people at that time, and in their history, they would know of some really cool, glorious deeds of the Lord. So these are people who were in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt under the Pharaoh. They worked hard. They were mistreated and disrespected there and God stepped in and intervened and delivered his people he sent plagues and then when the Israelites got out the Pharaoh and his army chased them and then the Lord parted the Red Sea so when he's talking about the glorious deeds of the Lord he's talking to the children or and or the grandchildren of the people that crossed through the Red Sea So they would remember, oh, yeah, like I remember that time that grandma told me of all this cool stuff that was going on in Egypt. They would also remember, oh, yeah, like I remember my parents were telling me that when they were going through the desert on their way to the promised land, that they had food miraculously provided to them by God because there's no food in the desert. They had water to drink. They had clouds during the day so they didn't get too hot. God gave them fire at night so they didn't get too cold. They would remember these stories, but they're easy to forget at the same time. So that's why he's saying, listen up, pay attention, remember the glorious deeds of the Lord. Remember what grandpa told you at the dinner table about what God did to deliver his people. 
And so for them, um, so if you read all of Psalm 78, you'll, you'll read about um, a town that, that Asaph writes about, and it's Z-O-A-N. At first service, I was saying Zoan. I don't know, that sounds cooler than Zoan to me. So Zoan was a town in Egypt, and that is a place where a lot of the things were probably taking place. It might not have been the capital, but it was probably where the Pharaoh would have been spending his time that Moses went and said, you know, I really think you should let us go. And finally, after all these plagues, Pharaoh decided to do that. Um, so again, Zoan would be a place that, that these people would be familiar with. And Zoan represents Egypt. It represents a state of slavery, a, sen- a state of captivity, a state of essentially darkness. When you're living under somebody else's thumb, you're not experiencing freedom and light. But then he also mentions Zion, which is a mountain by the temple in Jerusalem, which is the promised land, the place where God led his people to live. Zion represents freedom, a city on a hill, a city of refuge. It represents light. So talking about, you know, again, this isn't, we're not just talking about some cool stuff. We're talking about deliverance from evil. We're talking about God bringing you from the darkness into the light. And it's so important because even the people who themselves were delivered from that darkness and from that evil were unfortunately forgetful. I think we can really empathize with these people um, in a kind of a bad way. But So this verse um, is from Exodus chapter 14. And again, these are the actual people. So imagine this. You are one of the people that crosses through the Red Sea. You saw the plagues. You see the provision in the desert. And now they're wandering around in the desert looking for the promised land and waiting for God to, to help them find it. And this is what they have to say. So this is literally the people who themselves walked through the Red Sea. Is it be- they said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? They lost sight of what was important. They lost sight of the glorious deeds of the Lord. They lost sight of his miracles to the extent that they were basically standing there saying, I mean, we're as good as dead now. You might as well just let us die in Egypt. Yeah, things were bad, but maybe they weren't that bad. They start looking at the past with rose-colored glasses. They start looking at what God took them from and saying, all right, but come on, like at least we had this. Or at least there was that. Like you sort of, you sort of have to play. They, they start playing this bargaining game. They were forgetful of what God did for them. Can somebody say forgetful? Forgetful. Their forgetfulness led them to a state of, that they were ungrateful. They, they forgot how thankful they should have been for all that God had done for them. Can somebody say ungrateful? Ungrateful. And ultimately they became miserable. Can we say miserable? You can imagine that if every good thing that ever happened in your life, you start to overlook it and and think that right now is actually worse than it was before, you become miserable. So again, for us, the glorious deeds of the Lord look different. You know, it's not, we're not people who have walked through a body of water that God parted for us. And if you are, please talk to me after. Um, But we do have... Jesus and his sacrifice. So this time of year, we celebrate his birth. um, And obviously, Easter is the time where we celebrate his death and resurrection. But even in his birth, his sacrifice of his willingness to come to earth from heaven, his sacrifice and his willingness to walk among people, human beings, 
We have so much to be grateful for in the gloriousness that is the deed of Jesus and his existence on this earth. But if we forget that, then we're missing it. If we forget about how amazing Jesus is and the story of Jesus is, then unfortunately we can be a lot like the Israelites where we become forgetful, ungrateful, and miserable. And a church that is miserable is not a church that people are going to be attracted to. A church that's miserable is not a church that when we go and tell people about who Jesus is, they're going to look at us and be like, why would I want what you have? You're forgetful, ungrateful, and miserable. I already have that. I don't need you. Like, what do you want from me? So last week, Jason was, Pastor Jason was talking to us, um, and, he, and his challenge for us was to identify and remove so it was, if there's anything toxic or anything sinful in your life that, that's just kind of festering and lingering, whether that's a relationship or an example that he used was like a subscription. If you're spending all of your time on Netflix, maybe it's time to cancel Netflix. And that was his idea, not mine. Because <laughs> God, through Jesus, is bringing us and wants to bring us to a place of deliverance. And I want to tell you that if you haven't experienced that yet, then that might be the reason why God brought you here this morning. To encounter God in a new way through Jesus. To encounter God in a way that it would change everything for you. So identify and remove. So Lori told me I could say this. We like using Lori as a a sermon illustration because it's fun. So Lori in the hallway was like, I have these socks, and I wore them last week, and they keep falling into my sneakers, and I should have thrown them out, but then I didn't. So now today, because she was in the hallway without shoes on, I'm like, what are you doing? So she had to take her shoe out to fix her socks. So that is an example of something that is destructive, obviously a funny example, but it's like Lori coming back and saying, after she threw the socks out and being like, Man, I should have held on to those crappy socks that fell into my sneakers. Because are we looking at God to be more serious now? Are we looking at God in a way that we're saying, God, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? Taking me out of that situation. Taking me out of that relationship. God, come on. Like, it was bad, but now I'm lonely. So what's the point? God, what were you thinking? Taking me out of that addiction. Taking me out of that, that problem. Taking me out of that conflict. It was bad then, but... But I wish, it was, I wish I still had it. God, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? If we lose sight as a church of the miracles of God and the glorious deeds of God, then we might as well close the doors, walk away, and never come back. Because the miracles of God, that's, that's the whole point. If we miss that, then we're missing it. Then we're missing it. So the glorious deeds of the Lord point to his love for us. They point to his desire to have relationship with us. So we've talked about that Jesus is the reason for the season, that the glorious deeds of the Lord. Another thing we're going to talk about is laws and commandments. Can you guys say rules? Rules. Nobody likes rules. I don't like rules. God gives us laws and commandments. Verse 5, it says, he appointed a law in Israel. Verse 7 says to keep his commandments. Now, I had to Google this. I didn't know it's off the top of my head. But there are 613 total commandments in the Bible. And when I saw that number, I'm thinking to myself, 
well, how am I supposed to remember all those, number one? And even if I could remember all of them, how am I supposed to do all that? Like, I can't do that. That's not, that, I mean, maybe you're smarter than me, but that's not how my brain works. That's not where I live. So Jesus was asked by a group of people, all right, Jesus, like there's all these rules, there's all, all these things that we're supposed to do and not supposed to do and all this stuff. But what's the most important? What are we supposed to do? So this was his answer in Mark 12, verses 30 and 31. He says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So Jesus boils it down to two. From 613 to two, I think he did a pretty good job with that. And there's only two, right? So how hard could it be? Just love God first more than anything else, and then love other people. Like, how hard could it be, right? No? Nothing? Impossible sometimes, especially when it's your uncle who's coming over for Christmas and he's really annoying. Like, I'm supposed to love him like I love myself, but I don't like him. (laughs) But imagine a world where everyone actually did this. Imagine a world where everyone loved God first and loved each other second. A, A world where everyone, every single person was kind and considerate and respectful and maybe even compassionate because I don't know about you, but those are the things that I want. I don't want to be disrespected. I don't want to be left out. I don't want, to, I don't want someone to be rude to me. So if I'm treating, if every single person is treating each other the way they want to be treated, we can imagine that the world would be a much different and a much better place than it is right now. So that brings me to a place where I believe that God both knows and really wants what's best for us. When he gives us rules It's out of a place of love for us. It's out of a place of a desire that we would live our best life possible here on earth. He's not this grumpy old man in a rocking chair wagging his finger at us saying, well, you better follow all those rules or else else I'm going to come over there. Like that's not the God that we serve. That's not the God that loves us and that we love. So when he tells us, clearly to God, relationship is the most important thing because we're supposed to love God, have relationship there, and we're supposed to love others to have relationship here. So relationships are so important. So when he says, don't lie, well, who in the room has been lied to? And how does it feel? Horrible. It breaks a trust. It breaks a relationship. When you feel close to someone and then you find out they lied to you, it breaks you. It betrays you. How about stealing or gossip or, like, you know, a bigger one in our, in our context, like murder? Imagine a world where murder was not, like, not poo-pooed against, like, not, not against the law. There was no rules against murder, and everybody could just go around killing each other. That would be a horrible place to be. That would be a really scary world to live in. So God loves us enough to give us rules. He loves us enough to give us rules. My parents gave me rules. Imagine everyone in this room, your parents gave you rules. Maybe you're young enough that you're still under your parents' roof and your parents are giving you rules, and it makes you mad. Nobody likes rules. But I know now that even though I yelled at my parents for giving me a curfew and making me do my homework, making me eat my veggies and all that stuff, that they did it because they loved me. They weren't doing it just to torture me, even though that's how it felt at the time. But they did it because they loved me, because they wanted what was best for me. Now, at the time, I'm like, come on. Like, what's the big deal? Like, who cares if I do my homework? And who cares if I eat my veggies? And who cares if I stay out too late? 
But I look back now and I'm like, man, my parents actually did care about me. Like they weren't just these grumpy old people wagging their finger at me from a rocking chair. And that God is that same way, that his motivation for giving us rules is out of a place of love for us. He wants what is best for us. So when we talk about what the next generation needs to know, well, they need to know two things, a few things here. They need to know the rules because that might enable them to live the best life possible, but we also need them to know the reason why God gave them the rules. Because too often we look at God as, you know, so distant and so legalistic and so judgmental because unfortunately that's sometimes how people can be. And we look at the representation in people of God and we think that God is that way. But God just loves us enough to care about us enough to give us rules to help us and to enable us to live better lives on this earth. So our big idea is that Jesus is the reason for the season. We've talked a little bit about the glorious deeds and the miracles of God. We've talked some about the laws and the commandments of God. Um, And that brings us then to our third point, which is that we need to teach the next generation. When we talk about the next generation, um, we're talking. We're going to talk about it from kind of two angles. So one is is an age angle. So you know maybe you're 50 years old. So obviously someone who's 10 or 15 years old is that next generation. And an important point here is that we're all every single person in this room, every single person listening right now, is responsible for the next generation, whether you like it or not, whether you have kids or not, whether you're a kid yourself or not. You are responsible for the next generation of Christians. You are responsible for the next generation of leaders. You are responsible for the next generation. So that being an age, but also in spiritual maturity, there's kind of an an, an age level there also. So maybe you're only 10 or 15 years old, but your neighbor across the street is 80, and they don't know Jesus. So You might have been raised your whole life, 15 years in the church, so you have 15 years of church under your belt. You have 15 years of spiritual growth under your belt, but your neighbor is like an infant. So spiritually, you're responsible for them in a way that you should go and share the gospel with them. Go and teach them about who Jesus is. The next generation is in age, but it's also in a level of spiritual maturity. We can't get so weighed down in the the details and the specifics of what we see and then let that hold us back from what God is really calling us to. So often we do that. So often we get stuck in in this Christmas season with, like I said, with, with the tree and with all this other stuff. And that's great. It's so much fun. And when my kid runs down the stairs and she says, wow, at the Christmas tree, I love that. It's so much fun. But that's not all I want her to know at Christmas because there's something much bigger and much better and much more important than a couple lights and a few gifts and some Christmas cookies. So every time that I prepare a sermon, uh, Pastor Jason graciously meets with me a couple times and kind of brings me along. He's been preaching a lot longer than I have. And every single time we get together, he always picks something out that I would never see, that I would never get by myself. And so I'm so grateful that he, he takes the time um, to invest into me and to invest into our church that way. And so as we were reviewing this together, kind of looking over this passage together, something that he pointed out that, again, like I just didn't see it. Like, it didn't click for me. But he said there's a big difference between describing to someone the deeds of the Lord versus glorious deeds. So can we say deeds? 
And then can we say glorious deeds? deeds. It feels so different, right? To just talk about a deed is like, okay, yeah, like that just is what it is. Like, oh, yeah, God did that, and God did that, and that's cool too. And kind of brushing it off, like, oh, yeah, that's a deed. That's this, this. But when we talk about the glorious deeds of the Lord, (laughs) that becomes contagious. Now we're not forgetful, ungrateful, and miserable anymore. Now we're excited about who God is. Now we're ready to get out there and show people who God is because we're excited that God has miraculously intervened in our lives and in the lives of others. So a couple examples as we talk about this idea of the next generation might know. um, This is a sticky note that hangs on my fridge at my house right now. And it says, live life to enjoy things you love instead of loving things you want but can't have. Now, to everyone in the room, that's just like a really cool statement. Like, all right, cool. Like, I could get on board with that. Like, like the things you got. Don't be so focused on the things you don't have. It's especially applicable at Christmas time, like not being so worried that Johnny down the street got the new Xbox and I didn't and that kind of stuff. But to me and to those in my family, This sticky note is much more meaningful than just a cute phrase because it was written by someone who to our family is very important. So this was written by Wheels' mom. Everybody knows Wheels, the bald guy who greets at the front door. Everybody loves Wheels. So his mother wrote this, and it was hanging on her fridge. Now, when she passed away, my wife almost got into an argument with her sisters because they were arguing over who was going to take the sticky note. Now, obviously, my wife won because it's on my fridge. So for us, this represents an amazing woman. It's not just a cute phrase. It's not just a good reminder. It represents an amazing woman who loved the Lord fearlessly and ferociously and shared that love with her kids. And one of those kids is Wheels. And then Wheels grew up. And if you know his testimony, he had a couple bumps in the road, but he made it there. And he raised his kids in the church and for Jesus. And now Krista and I have the opportunity together to raise our children for Jesus. Now, another example is this guitar. Now, you might, anyone who noticed that this guitar was sitting here but nobody was playing it might thought it was weird. And now that you see me picking it up and you see all the dents and the dings and you see this really junky strap that's probably been glued on here since like 1992 and you see that this guitar is basically a piece of junk. Like you'd probably find it in a pawn shop for like 10 or 15 bucks at this point. But to me, this guitar is super important and super valuable. And the reason is that this is my mom's guitar. And growing up, my mom would sing her heart out day and night all the time. She would be worshiping God in our household all the time to the extent that when I'm like 10 and 12 years old and I just want to watch Nickelodeon, I rudely would ask my mom to go outside or go in the basement so I didn't have to listen to her anymore. But she set the example to me and to our family of what it means to worship God when life is good and bad and how to worship God through music. And anyone who knows me knows that I love music and I love worshiping God through music. And so that is something that I got from my mom, that I got from my mom through this guitar. So to you, this is a piece of crap. But to me, this is a beautiful symbol of who my mom is and the joy that that I get through worshiping music and and the family legacy that exists in that. So my mom and wheels... And my mom all found it important enough to remember Jesus at Christmas time and otherwise. 
I remember a time with this specific guitar. It was, it was just after my dad had passed away, and, and we're cleaning out the house to try to find some important documents and things like that. And, and my mom took a break, and she went down to the living room. This is the house that my parents built together. They raised their children in together. And after he had passed away, she sat on the couch and played this guitar and sang worship songs to God. And that is the example that I have in my mom and in who she is. So my challenge for us this morning is to share Jesus this Christmas season. And that might sound like, well, one, it might just sound cheesy or too simple, but it also might sound really big and scary because maybe you're thinking, this is my first time in church. How am I supposed to tell people about Jesus? Maybe you're thinking, I'm only 12 years old. How am I supposed to tell people about Jesus? Maybe you're thinking, well, I used to come to church, but I don't usually come anymore. Maybe you're at home on Facebook Live, and you don't even feel comfortable setting foot in this building, and you're thinking, how am I supposed to share about Jesus? So one of our values as a church is simplicity, and we, we want to just keep it simple, the end. Keep it simple, the end. So some examples of ways that you could simply do this is share on social media. So Wellspring Church shares all kinds of content on social media all the time, and it all looks really cool. So it's easy to share that. Just hit the share button. Write a little comment. Like it. Do what you want to do with that. And that might be a way that someone can engage in that content. Maybe that's an invite to church. Thank you. Um, maybe that's a, a Bible verse. Maybe it's something like that. Maybe that's a simple way that you can share about Jesus this Christmas season. Maybe it's inviting a friend to church. Maybe it's talking to your kids. If you're here now and maybe you're newer to church and your kids are here with you and they're over in the well kids and they're talking about Jesus too. Maybe it's just talking to them about who Jesus is. Maybe it's volunteering to pray at Christmas dinner. Maybe it's anything and everything. It doesn't have to be this big extravagant thing. It can, but it just doesn't have to be. You can keep it simple as you share Jesus this Christmas season. And as we talk through this, I don't want you to just talk about, oh, yeah, Jesus was born, and that's, that's kind of cool, and that happened like 2,000 years ago, so we're good now. I want you to tell people about the glorious deeds of the Lord. Can we say glorious deeds? Glorious. So I asked the worship team to play a song here at the end, and it's what a beautiful name it is. Um, so kind of leaning into this idea that, that adjectives are important. The way you describe something is important. So as we sing this song, we're talking about the beautiful and the wonderful and the powerful name of Jesus. It's my prayer that you would experience this song out of an overflow of a place where you can understand that God loves you. You understand that he's here with you and he's here for you. That he's not angry with you. That he's not disappointed with you. That he wants relationship with you. And for him, that is the most important thing. So let's worship together. Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Toms River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you, and we hope you have a fantastic week.